This is CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon to you and welcome to it. Uh, it's Between Two Femmes. I'm Mabale Moloi. Aspasia Karras is away. Uh, this time, I think it is London. Ever the jet setter, that one. So I'm going to be taking care of things here on my own. Um, great, great show by the guys from Gentlemen by Choice, uh, continuing to talk about a story that really has the entire country gripped at the moment. And what an important story as well. Uh, many years from now, decades from now, we're going to look back at this time as a, as a pivotal moment in history. Um, a lot of people have been weighing in with their different opinions. Um, a, a lot of people have been arguing, um, saying that these protests are wrong. And then other people saying, no, absolutely not. They're necessary. And, um, you know, we're dealing with a, with an important issue. And, um, you'll also be aware that, um, this is just yet another example of a global problem. I mean, some of the Twitter timelines that I've been following, which belong to some very respected and well-known, um, political commentators in this country, um, have been making comparisons with us as a country, uh, to the rest of the world. And this really is a global issue. Um, countries such as France and uh, Germany, um, Spain, um, you, the UK, um, at different times, all of them have been affected by this very issue um, that we're dealing with right now as a country. And so it is important that we keep having this conversation. I, I suppose um, besides just having the conversation, we also need to to start talking about solutions to this problem, um, which really is the most uh, the difficult part um, of the entire equation is the solutions. Um you know, we, we, we keep saying we, we, we need more money put into, into, into education, but where's that money supposed to come from? You know, and then you'll hear some people arguing, well, I mean, if you stopped uh, bailing out companies such as SAA or ESCOM or the SABC, which is something that we've seen happen time and time again, you know, then you really start to question um, leadership's priorities. Um, so, you know, right now it's about getting to solutions of the problem. Um, so if you want to um, stay connected with that conversation, be sure to download that podcast from Gentlemen by Choice. Uh, and then also do yourself a favor and download download the burning platform from this morning uh, from the Gareth Cliff Show where we had Justice Malala weigh in. Um, he is one of the very uh, polit- uh, one of those political commentators, the respected political commentators that I was telling you about. And, you know, he does a weekly segment with us here on the Gareth Cliff Show in the morning. And his opinions are always um, so sober. Um, so logical and it, the, the kind of opinions that have you sitting back and thinking, wow, I, I, I never thought of it that way. Or you know what? Actually, he makes a good point. Um, so do yourself a favor and have a listen to that. Um, and then in the meantime, I am going to try and dial things back a little bit for you this afternoon. Um, we're going to be talking, well, hopefully, I'm hoping that we are going to be talking to, um, Reabietsi Khwabani about a story that she broke a couple of weeks ago regarding Africa, uh, Fashion International and the fact that it has been cancelled for this year. Uh, the Fashion Week was planned for November between the days of the 4th and the 7th. And I just wanted to have a chat to her and find out more about what the reason behind the story is. It seems to be an issue of, uh, funding. Um, I know that some of the, some of the fashion designers apparently started to pull out of Africa Fashion Week because they were told that they would need to cover the costs to fly to Namibia, which is where the event is happening this year. And she broke the story about how the event has been cancelled this year, uh, which is a huge blow 
you know, um, Africa Fashion International are also, of course, responsible for Cape Town and Joburg Fashion Week. Um, it is founded by Dr. Precious uh, Motsepe. So hopefully we'll try and get a hold of Riabetsi. And then I'm also uh, going to be talking to Jean Duplessis about an issue that I think... Um, <laughs> But we probably stress about and, and think about, um, a lot more than you want to give it credit for. Um, and it is the issue of smells in our home. Um, often we talk about the fact that, you know, um, you, you might, you might be dealing with issues of, of body odor or you might be dealing with issues of, um, you know, halitosis, which, which is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people. And how do you address the issue and how do you tell somebody that, hey, you know what, you've got funk problems? Um, but the, the smells in our homes as well. Um, a lot of people will come into your, your personal living space and, and pick up on a, on a, a little bit of a, an interesting odor. And, you know, they might, they might judge you for it. They might think that, well, you don't keep a clean house. Um, so MBPO did a survey where they basically asked South African women to rate the worst household odors. And uh, it might be interesting to find out exactly what some of the worst household odors are. And then they also provide tips, um, as MBPO uh, in terms of how to deal with these, with these odors. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, it's just a simple case of, uh, lighting a scented candle, you know, spraying something into the room. Um, but apparently they're little, they need little tricks that, that we can use to, to deal with, with horrible body smells. Um, and it ranges from everything from cigarette smells to pet smells, um, to bathroom smells. Goodness, don't even get me started on bathroom smells. And, um, and then also, of course, it could be the issue of your partner, your husband or your boyfriend. Who, who possibly, you know, has problematic feet. Uh, Jean, I don't know if you can hear me at this moment. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Jean. And how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great, thank you. All right, Jean, um, let's... smelling fresh, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> Jean, let's begin with the survey that was conducted by MPPure recently, asking South African women to rate some of the worst household smells. And why, I mean, why, why even, why do this? So as we peer commission this survey, so we can find out what are South Africa's worst smells, uh, what are some of the toughest smells to get rid of, and then so that Andy Peer can come in and eliminate those smells for good. So we ask South African women what do they think are the worst smells that they can find in their homes, and we also ask them a little bit about their attitudes and how they feel about smells in the home. Now, you mentioned attitude, and that's a very important point to bring up, isn't it? Because a lot of people will make judgments on you depending on the kind of smells that they pick up from your living space. They might just assume that you're, you're dirty and you don't keep a clean living space. That's so true. You know, um, there's actually one of the statistics that came out in the survey is that 57% of women said that they have actually avoided visiting someone's house because of the way it smelled. And then they went on and told someone else about their experience. So the way your house smells is really something that influences not only how you feel in your own space, but also how other people perceive it. All right, so let's take a look at some of these smells. And maybe let's begin in a place like the kitchen where I'm, I'm thinking immediately from the top of my head something like dustbin smells. I mean, those, that, that's some of the, the most horrific smells that can fill up a room. Absolutely. Garbage smells came out as the second worst smell 
in homes across South Africa. Oh dear. The garbage smells is definitely up there. And then the food and, and cooking smells. One of the smells that people mentioned as being the toughest to get rid of is that smell of fish cooking. So once you're done creating your wonderful fish dish, that smell that lingers around in the kitchen, 49% of South African women said that that is one of the toughest to get rid of. Now, I'm assuming that a lot of these women have never had to cook um, afal or, you know, mohodu, which, my goodness, that, that, that is quite a pungent smell. And I don't know if you've ever had to be in a, in a kitchen where mala mohodu is being prepared, but that is the kind of smell that will knock you straight off your feet and you will pass out. No, sadly, I have experienced that myself. <laughs> and I have to agree with you that it, it is frightening. Um, so that's the kind of smell that just makes you want to cringe and makes you want to run away. And that's exactly the kind of smell that we want to eliminate as Ampere. All right. Um, so, I mean, in, in terms of the kitchen, so, you know, a lot of the stuff that you're cooking can fill up a room and make it smell a little bit funky. And then also, of course, the dustbin, as you mentioned. Uh, what about bathroom spells? Because, you know, unfortunately, the bathroom is such a horrible place in my mind because it's where you go to get rid of, you know, stuff. And uh, they, they, there's just no way that there's, there isn't going to be a bad smell coming from the bathroom. Oh, exactly. It's the it's the kind of smell that we never mentioned, but it was definitely one of the ones that came up top. The number one worst smell in South Africa is bathroom and um, and toilet smells, mm. and that's also why people usually use air freshener just in the toilet and in the bathroom. But that's just one of the bad smells that you actually find in the home. So a lot of the other smells, like you mentioned, the garbage smells, or smells of food cooking, or even smells of your pets. That actually happens in the rest of the house. And we sometimes don't think of air freshener as a product that you can use throughout the house. Um, but, you know, the smells are throughout the house. And our products are designed to eliminate the smells. So please think of using them elsewhere as well. For you and it's for your guests too. All right. Now, Jean, um, pet owners, um, I know that pet owners often have to deal with uh, <laughs> a lot of smells as well. Yes, that's, that's completely true. I think pets are, um, they came up there as one of the worst smells, one of the toughest to get rid of. And, um, you know, when you, when you ask people who's responsible for the smells in their home, two, almost two-thirds of people point the finger straight at their furry friends. Mm. So pets are definitely a, a cause of some, some smells in the home as well. Now, what we, what we recommend for that is that you could use a, a air freshener product, but Amphir also has a plug-in product that then releases these odor-eliminating technologies and a fresh scent throughout the day. Because the reality is that a lot of us have pets, and these pets spend a lot of time indoors uh, as well as, as being outdoors. And that's when the smells get, and get trapped in the fabrics and get trapped in the carpet, um, and when they become so tough to get rid of. Now, these air fresheners that you talk about, about, I mean, really, they're just there to, to, to mask the, the horrible smell. Um, isn't that so? Well, that's sometimes the case with air fresheners. But the Ambipure range actually has a technology in it that works at a molecular level and eliminates the bad odors first. And then it leaves behind just a very light, subtle fragrance. So what often happens is when you just, you know, you light scented candles or you have a, a overpowering smell that you then add to the bad smell, you're just trying to mask it and you, and you end up with kind of funky mix of, of different odors. What we recommend is that you try to eliminate the odors first 
and then leave behind a, a light fresh scent that you enjoy. Najan, if you look at um, some of the uh, like fur- the furniture in our in our homes and some of the things that we've got in our homes, I mean, you look at something like. Um, couch that's covered in material or you know if you look at the curtains or carpets I mean do these things actually are they part of the problem in that they also trap these these smells um, in in the different types of material absolutely so how smell works is that there's usually a source of the odor so that would be the the fish that's lying there in the kitchen or it's you know the the garbage bin and from the, the source, some of the molecules go up into the air, and that's where your nose detects them. That, ooh, this is a, this is a bad smell, and we need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And then these molecules then go and get trapped often in your fabric, so on your couch or in your curtains or sometimes in your rug. And then when you go sit down on the couch or when you touch the fabric, that's when these molecules come up in the air again, and you recognize that stale smell. So... When you really have an issue with a smell that's being trapped in your home, what we recommend is that you take a look at your curtains and couches and your, and your rugs. Um, and you can also use the, the Ambipure products to eliminate the smells in, in your fabrics as well. One of the things that I have seen a lot of men o- o- react to in an almost um, illogical way is when they have to change um, a baby's nappy. Because because the smell associated with that process is in itself, it's, it's like dropping a bomb, isn't it? It's completely like dropping a bomb. And then you realize the power of maternal instinct. Um, and so I, I can imagine that um, a lot of the guys are, are not happy with it. And, and frankly, a lot of women as well. Now, what we, what we would say is, you know, what about spraying the air a little bit before you actually attempt that process so that the moment that those molecules drift into the air, they can be eliminated by ambipure. Um, but, yeah, the, the diaper smells, the changing the nappy, that's right up there with the, the bathroom smells as, as some of the worst smells found in homes in South Africa. All right, what are some of the problematic smells when you, when you move into people's bedrooms? I mean... Uh... You know, we've, we've, we spend a fair amount of time in our bedrooms. That's where we go to recuperate, rejuvenate, regenerate. And what are, what are the, the, the problematic smells in our bedrooms? So I think when it, when it comes to bedrooms, um, interestingly enough, about half of the people use air freshener in, in their bedrooms, but none of the smells specifically would, would point exactly to a smell that could only uh, emanate from a bedroom. So pet smells and cigarette smoke are definitely up there with some of the worst smells, um, but there was nothing specifically in the bedroom. Now, that's, that's fine to say, and these are potentially not smells that came up in our survey, but I think we've all experienced the, the dreaded um, sweaty trainers that are left in, in the bedroom. And, um, you know, I actually, I actually have a funny story. When a, a friend of mine, when she had just started living with her, with her husband, he would wake up every morning to find his shoes on the balcony, and he couldn't understand why this was happening. And then he found out eventually that oh, it was actually because she had been putting the shoes outside because she just couldn't sleep with the smell in the room. <laughs> and I mean, how would you deal with a situation like that? Do you treat your feet, or do you just uh, you do just give them a bit of sprit, a bit of a spritz of freshener every every day when you take them off? I think take them off and, and air them out a little bit um, before you you know before you bring them into the room. And then, yes, if it's still there, if it's still lingering, just give a spritz of ambipure in the room and you should be able to get rid of that horrible smell. 
All right, John. Um, you mentioned cigarette, uh, cigarette smoke smell, and that's really the kind of smell that sticks on you. If you're a smoker, it goes into your hair. It stays on your clothes. Um, if you're smoking indoors, it, it is absorbed by every, every kind of material in there. So how would one then deal with uh, the smell of cigarette smoke? With uh, cigarette smoke, what, what you're saying is completely correct because that's a, a kind of molecule that really penetrates into fabrics and, and tends to hang out there and stick, stick behind. So I think the first thing is that, you know, you need to get rid of all of the um, cigarette butts, you know, get rid of the ashtrays, clean it out, and then make sure that you, you spray enough uh, in the room and that you also treat your, your curtains and your couches. One other area where you will often find cigarette smoke lingering is in the car. And so in that case, we have a car product. We just introduced actually a new disposable car product. Very small, very subtle, and you put it in the car, and instead of just you know making it smell like pine or flowers, it actually eliminates those smells that are lingering behind in the car and then um, just leaves behind a very light scent. All right, John, I want us to get into some of the tips um, as provided by Ambipure in terms of dealing with specific odors in your home. So after cooking and eating, uh, how, do we, how do we then get rid of, um, of smells in the kitchen? So I think, you know, after you've, um, your, your nose actually becomes immune to odors after around 15 minutes. So when you've been in the room for about 15 minutes and, and you've experienced all these odors, you don't realize that it's still lingering there in the air. Mm. So we would say just, um, you know, don't ever spray directly onto food. Um, you know, keep the product away from the food directly, but then freshen the air around you um, with a little bit of air freshener. We have a variant called um, Citrus in Morning, and we found that the, the citrus smells fit in well into the kitchen. You know, it's, it's a tricky place. You, you have a lot of food there and you have a lot of food smells. And so you want something that actually fits into that environment instead of being a strange smell that clashes with everything else that's happening there. So we recommend the, the citrus product, um, especially after you've, been, after you've cooked and, and you've had your meal. All right. And then pet smells. You know, pets are cute and everything, but then every now and again they drop little bombs around your house and you've got to clean up after them. What's the best way to deal with those kinds of incidents? So, yes, uh, first, uh, you, you'll probably say a few words that should not be repeated. And then you go ahead and you, and you clean um, those bombs. Um, you know, you can spray air freshener in, in, in the area. You know, make sure that you clean uh, the source of the odor first. Make sure that that's completely gone. Spray some freshener in the air. And then also look at, at treating your, your fabrics and your carpets and your couches. Uh, another tip if you have pets is that, you know, if they are in the house all the time, and it's not just, you know, when um, they've done something that they should be punished for, but it's just generally, you know, pet hair, that wet dog smell. Um, that might be something that lingers in the house. And so for that, we would recommend using one of the plug-in products that releases the odor-eliminating technology and releases the fragrance on, our, on an ongoing basis. Um, here's an interesting thing. Um, when your child is sleeping away from home, unfamiliar surroundings can make them pine for home. And so what can one do to try and relax the child and to, you know, make them feel a little bit le less anxious? Yeah, I think, you know, there it's so true that, um, you know, smells, they trigger memories and they make us feel safe or they make us feel afraid. And so when you've got a small child that's sleeping away from home, you know, when you pack in their sleeping bag or their pillow, spray that with a familiar scent 
Um, and then when they're away from home, just that smell will remind them again of, of the pleasant memories of being back home. Um, you know, I don't know if um, in the bathroom, for example, you know you get um, mildew that, that accumulates on, on walls and, and tile surfaces. Um, does that stuff actually contribute to, to bathroom cells, uh, smells in any way, or is that completely odorless? Oh, no, that absolutely contributes to, to smells. Uh, one of the smells uh, that people mention as being the toughest to get rid of is these musty and moldy smells. And now that happens when you when you have moisture that isn't evaporating properly and that lingers behind, it creates a kind of environment where, where mold and mildew can form. And then that just leaves behind this, this musty smell that you can't quite pinpoint uh, when, you, when you're in the bathroom. So we re- recommend, you know, if you know that you have the kind of room that's, that's designed in a way where it's prone to getting mold and mildew, that you towel dry the, the walls of, of, of your showers and it prevents it from forming, you know, use the product to, to eliminate those, um, those kinds of things from growing. And then just spritz a little bit of, of, of Andy in the room. Um, you know, you eliminate any kind of other odors that are lingering behind and you, and you make sure that it smells nice and fresh. Okay, now here's something. Before turning your lights on, put a little air freshener onto a cold light bulb. Why would we want to do that? So it's the moment that you turn on the light bulb and it starts warming up, then it gently releases the fragrance into the room. So it's uh, instead of you know, very obviously spraying and, and you're very conscious of the fragrance, when you release it softly and gently from the light bulb, it's just, you just experience this, oh, there's a, there's a nice fresh smell in this room. All right, goodness, goodness me. I mean, it's uh, it's all it's all very interesting, and I love these tips. Uh, they they're definitely very useful. I'm going to try that tip specifically, uh, <laughs> of spraying the light bulb uh, to see that uh, to to see if it works or not. But Jean, thank you very much uh, for spending time with me this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It yeah. was really a pleasure talking <laughs> to you. I hope that uh, your home will turn from smiley to smiley. Um, but I'm sure it's pretty smiley already. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's that's all I'm going to say on that matter. Thank you so much for, for your tips and letting us know about some of the worst smells uh, that South African women in a survey conducted by Ambipure uh, have to deal with uh, almost on a daily basis. And then also uh, Jean just providing some tips there as well uh, to go with uh, dealing with the smells. Uh, you are with myself, Mabale Malloy, on Between Two Femmes uh, on cliffcentral.com. Our clients are the lifeblood of our business and keeping their data safe is critical. I'm worried that client data in the wrong hands could cost us. With MTN Business Cloud powered by Microsoft Technology, your data is secured in world-class data centers based in South Africa. It's always available, backed up and complies with South African laws, ensuring that you and your clients are always protected. With a footprint covering 23 countries, isn't it time you found out about a cloud solution built to build African businesses? Welcome to the new world of business. CliffCentral.com with myself, Mabale Moloye, on Between Two Femmes, minus Aspasia Karas, who is away in London. Um, now, I was, I was having a, a conversation with uh, a friend of mine who is a beauty therapist, and I go to her to get, you know, my eyebrows waxed and to, you know, to get all sorts of things done. And um, she's always scolding me, depending on how badly I'm taking care of my skin, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a passion for her. It's something that she cares greatly about. And I remember passing a comment once um, 
saying, you know, what's the issue anyway? Because there's this, um, there's this belief, there's this thing, there's this trend that black don't crack. Um, of course, uh, you, we keep being told as, 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 as black women, because of the melanin content in our skin, uh, we age better than other, uh, other, uh, skin types. Um, imagine my shock and horror and surprise when she told me that actually, no, black does crack. And so I've got Ndombi Kumala on the line to t- talk to us more about that. Uh, Ndombi, can you hear me? Hi, Mabali, I can hear you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm very excited to have you on. You are a beauty therapist. Uh, you are, you're experienced in this line of business. Um, so this notion that a lot of black women have when walking around saying black don't crack, black don't crack, you're saying that that is completely wrong and false. <laughs> It's completely wrong. Firstly, I'd like to say I prefer the term, I don't like the word beauty therapist. Okay. Firstly, because I do not make people beautiful or whatever. Okay. I make people feel good about themselves. But the better word is skincare therapist. So I help people learn how to take care of their skin, really how to, yeah, know how to really know what to do to look after their skin and keep it healthy and looking great, really. All right, now, Ndombi, um, one of the things that we taught earlier on is that taking care of your skin begins with the inside. and In, in other words, what you put into your body. Um, we all know that water is an important ingredient in, you know, in the, in the uh, managing of your skin. Uh, we, know that, we know that alcohol dehydrates us. We know that smoking is really, really, really bad for us. Um, so the notion that it, what you put inside is going to translate to how you look on the outside, that's, that's definitely a real thing, correct? Definitely, definitely. But then also, it's everything together. I usually tell my clients that you can't just come for a monthly facial and think your skin is going to be perfect. It's everything. It's exercise. It's the food that you eat. Sugar is really bad for your skin. They've actually done a study in the U.S. last year sometime that sugar makes you look older than what you really are. Oh my so gosh. sugar is really, really bad. Um, everything in moderation, really, and everything together with exercise and good food and everything and facials, everything. You can't just do one thing and say, oh, I drink two liters of water and that should be it. It's everything together. Okay, let's talk about the various treatments that one can do for the skin because, you know, some of us feel that a lot of the time um, it's really just a case of... Um, you guys, and I'm sorry to lump you all into this into this group, but it's it's, it's this feeling that you know uh, when you go into a spa, um, it's really just a lot of uh, tricks and gimmicks that they make make us fall for, so that we spend mm-hmm. spend more and more money. So mm-hmm. let's let's talk about a facial. What exactly is the purpose of a facial? What does it do for me? So a facial is a basic. And um, be aware that I say basic treatment that you can do at a salon. There's like lots more things that you can do. But a facial is when you come in, you basically basically cleanse the skin. Mm. And I know a lot of people come in and they're like, I'd like to have a deep clean. Every facial that you're going to have at a salon is essentially deep cleaning. So also, that's another word I don't like. Because people look at the... Something, most people look at the price of a deep cleanser and they're like, that's what I want. But essentially, a deep, every other facial is deep cleansing. So um, coming in for a facial, you come in, we cleanse your skin. We would do extractions. Um, we also analyze the skin, which is very important because not everybody um, is going to have the same um, skin treatment. 
for you, Madani, I'd recommend something else that I'll recommend to Mbali, for instance. Mm. So it's very important that when you do have a facial done, your skincare therapist analyzes your skin correctly for your skin type and your skin condition. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's very fun. A lot of people will come in and they'll be like, oh, I, I want to have that facial, just because they heard that their friends did the same facial. Not correct. Okay, so you're defining, so, yeah. you, you define a facial as a deep cleanse. Are you saying that it's not enough for me to wash with soap every day at home? That's not enough not for me? Not at all. Not at all. Why? <laughs> because, <laughs> it's not, firstly, what type of soap are we talking about? Are we talking about a bar of soap? Are we talking about a cleanser? Mm. So it's, it, it gets very complicated. That's why, um, for me, my biggest thing with my clients is that I try and educate them as much as I can. You know, there are those people that will just um, use a cleanser on their skin and maybe for them that's good enough. But there's people that are into taking care of their skin and they'll want everything, a cleanser, exfoliator and all of that. You know, so you just um, customize the treatment for specifically for that type of client. Because also you don't want to bombard a client with everything all at once and they're not going to use it anyway. So it's, yeah, it gets very tricky and complicated if you're going to have a look at it for each specific client, each specific skin type and skin condition. So, yeah. <laughs> Tommy, let's talk about sunscreen. Um, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to look at the black people here because I know a lot of black people who think. <laughs> who think that they don't need sunscreen because they've got it built into their minds that, no, I've got all this melanin, it's protecting mm. me, I don't need to put sunscreen on. So do, do we actually need to be wearing sunscreen? Definitely. I'm going to start by saying that as um, black people, we are very blessed in the fact that our skin has the ability to protect itself so beautifully. But because of that, our skin, that melanin that protects us so well, can actually do the opposite in the fact that it protects us so well that it causes pigmentation. Because So basically, melanin acts like a little umbrella in your skin. So when there's a pimple or you've got sunburnt or whatever, your melanin grows to that area and basically it is um, dispersed in that area. So protecting the skin. But then if too much melanin is produced in one area, that's where you get pigmentation. That's why a lot of black people suffer with pigmentation. So SPF is really important for everyone on a daily basis. Even if you go outside and it's cloudy, there is still UV rays out there. So you need to protect your skin from the UV rays. Because if you say the sun and people go outside and say, oh, it's cloudy, there is no sun. There's still UV rays every single day. All right. And in terms of the strength of the SPF, I, 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 the strongest that I've ever seen is 50 uh, in, in, different, mm-hmm. in different supermarkets. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they get any higher than that. But mm-hmm. do these strengths, do they matter? Should you, should you always go for the, for the strongest one or is an SPF 30 just as good as an SPF 50? Does it have the same effect or how, okay. how should I be buying my sunscreen then? Not necessarily. It doesn't mean that a 50 is much better. So basically, let's say on a day-to-day, going to the office, you're in the office the whole day, a 15 is okay. But I generally give my clients a 30, um, whether they're on holiday or every single day, it's fine. But what happens is with a lot of manufacturers with products, what they do is with an STF of 50, they sometimes put a lot of chemicals in there that are not necessarily good for your skin to get it to that 50. 
So it doesn't mean that just because you've got a 50 on it, it's, it's great. So for me, 30 is more than enough. If you're on holiday, just reapply every two hours or so if you're at the beach, the very same 30 that you've got. Um, also, what I actually usually tell my clients is that a, if you look at it this way, scientifically proven is that an SPF of 30 covers 96.4 UV rays. Mm. So looking at it, you don't really need anything really that's more than a 30. You just need to reapply your SPF um, every two hours or so, depending on how much time you're spending in the sun. Dombi, if you look at the human body, where would you say is the most sensitive parts of our skin? Because, yes, skin is skin throughout our body, but then you also get areas mm-hmm. where the skin is a little bit thicker than other areas. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it, maybe it's a little bit more coarse or a little bit tougher. So on the human body, where is the most sensitive part of the skin? Is it, is it on our face? Definitely your face. Definitely your face. And also the fact that you, the skin on your face has a lot of... Um, sebum glands. So that's why your skin on your face produces more oil than anything else. And also, if anything hormonally happens on your body, you tend to see it more on your face. Now, speaking of producing more oil, I I heard once that people with oily skin age the best of every other skin type. Um, Mm -hmm. Is is this true? And if so, why? Like, what's the, how does it work? Okay, it is very true. Um, that is only because the people with oilier skin, their skin stays, produces more oil really, and it stays oilier than um, other people with drier skin. And the reason why people with drier skin tend to look more or age more than people with oilier skin is that um, dry skin, basically when you get a wrinkle, it forms from a line on the skin. You, you see it by the line. So the skin with drier skin you see it more, you see those wrinkles more than somebody with oilier skin. So the oil basically keeps the skin sort of plumped up just to explain it more easier. So, yeah, people with drier skin tend to look more aged than people with oily skin because of that. Now, being a skin therapist, you are obviously very familiar and informed with a various number of uh, treatments, different types of treatments that we can do for our skin. So let's go through some of these different procedures. Uh, let's talk about these laser, I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, like these laser treatments where you go in and like they're pointing a, a, an object at you and there's a flashing red light and you've got to wear goggles over your eyes. I mean, let, let's talk mm-hmm. about these different types of treatments and what they do for us. So um, there's a different, there's different types of lasers. Okay. Um, different machines give you different lasers. So there's laser hair removal, which is IPL. So that's to remove um, hair on your skin, really. Um, there's laser for pigmentation. And the nice and exciting thing about the beauty industry is that there's always something new coming out. Mm. So I cannot even say, oh, there's definitely these two or whatever. There might be others that I don't even know about. It's, it's exciting because every single year there's something different coming out in the industry. So you can't say there's five or six all the time. And what about these anti-aging products? You you see them being advertised and they'll put in, you know, tricky sentences in there like mm-hmm. reverse the signs of aging. Can you really reverse the signs of aging, though? Or are they just yeah. lying to us, Ngombi? You know what? It, it, it just depends on what type of product it is. Um, what I like to really educate people on is that you've got your normal cosmetics. 
that you can pick up at any supermarket, right? Mm-hmm. Your cosmetics is any product that works most of the time just superficially that you can get anywhere. Um, you've got your cosmeceuticals, which you can get at beauty salons. Um, I'm not going to name any of them. And then you also have pharmaceuticals, which are mostly products that you get also at beauty salons, but most of them are um, developed by doctors. So come to think of it, your pharmaceuticals work much deeper than your uh, your cosmeceuticals. So you want somebody that's going to work on your live skin, not your superficial skin, not your epidermis. You okay. want something that's going to penetrate into the dermis, thereby treating the signs of aging of aging right there and then. Okay, wait and a minute. Let's, let, let's, let's back up here a little bit because you mentioned uh, pharmaceuticals and then did you say cosmic cuticles? What was Cosmoceuticals. That? So cosmeceutical is basically a word that means that it's a cosmetic product, but it's also... Um, cosmeceutical. Okay. So it's the combined. So it works just a little bit deeper than your cosmetics. Okay. So and it's how, like your how, in-betweener. How does then that, that, that differ from the from the pharmaceutical products? Pharmaceutical penetrates even deeper than that one. Oh, okay. So then should we should we be spending money on pharmaceutical products as opposed to cosmo, cosmeceutical, fancy word? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Then you invest in your money and your time and everything. Um, would you would you say that there are a lot of people who are making um, mistakes when it comes to the treatment of their skin on their face? Um, you know, for example, you mentioned people using the wrong products. Do you think mm-hmm. that there, do you think that there's a lot of us who are doing incorrect things? There, there is a huge number. I mean, I see people every single day who've been doing facials for years, mm. and they come in here and they're like, "No, I've been using this for years, and it's working." great for my skin and I have to tell them unfortunately that you've been using the wrong product all along. I mean, um, just recently I had a client who has adult acne and she's been using a granular scrub and she's like, it doesn't don't I love it, it's so good on my skin and I had to explain that with any granular, because you're breaking out, there's bacteria on your skin, mm-hmm. which means you're moving the bacteria with the granule from one place to the other. Mm-hmm. Then you get another breakout of that other place where you didn't have it. So people just need to be educated. People need to read. But it's it's very nice to see that people are even willing to listen. And the nice thing is that when people see the results in their skin, then they're more trusting even of what we tell them as skincare therapists. We have been told for years not to pop our pimples, except when I come in to see you, Dombi, and you're giving me a facial. You, you, you perform these horrific things on my face, which you call extractions. I think you're just pump, popping my pimples. Am I, am I, am I correct here or am I, have I got it completely wrong? You know what? There's a certain way that it needs to be done. Okay. When you do it at home, you might pop it. You see it popping from the, on, on, the, on the surface of the skin. But you might have even popped it underneath the skin. So you feel that the pressure is gone two days down the line, it reappears. It's on like on a spot right next to it. It's because it popped under the skin and reinfected another area. So that's why you reinfect your skin. But when you come here, remember when you come here when I see you, I cleanse your skin, making sure there's no bacteria on the skin, my hands are clean. It's 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 a whole lot of things and the product that I use on that area post the extractions is, yeah, bacteria inhibiting. 
Okay, let's let's talk about hormones and how they affect our skin because you know at certain times of the month um, I suffer from breakouts and and you will say well that that's a hormone related issue. Uh, let's talk about mm-hmm. the role of hormones on a person's skin and then do you know if um, you, regarding hormones if this affects uh, women more than it does men or does it affect men and women equally? It it affects men and women. But I find that from what I've seen is that also, considering the fact that we don't see a lot of men into the salons, so I can't really say who it affects more because I generally see more women. And the men that do come in, most of them don't even have much of a skin problem. It's just them grooming themselves and taking care of their skin. Um, But hormones play a really large role in um, whether your skin is breaking out or not. Um, that's why sometimes, I'm not a doctor or anything, but sometimes I would say to a client, you know what, I think you need to go see a physician, just go have your hormones checked out. And once they've had that sorted out, you find that they don't break out, they're not breakout prone as they used to be. So it's basically everything, as I said in the beginning of the interview, that everything she gave us plays a role. So it's also a case of um, trying out different options to see which one works for your type of skin. Often, often when I'm looking at different products in a supermarket, um, they really only give you three options. Don't be it's they'll say for dry skin, for oily skin, or for normal skin. I don't know what normal means, <laughs> but I mean, if you look at at somebody's face, is your skin type the same throughout your entire throughout your entire face? Is it is it maybe so, dry? yeah? So you get um, skin type is something that you are born with. You are either born with an oily skin type or a dry or a combination skin type. That you cannot change. That also just um, changes throughout whether you live in a coastal area or throughout your lifetime. But it stays constant, sort of the same. But your skin condition, which is whether you are breakout prone or you are dehydrated or you're pigmentation prone, that can be changed. That is what we try and change when you come into a skincare um, when they say that you've got dry skin, do they mean that your skin is not producing a lot of oils or does it mean that your skin doesn't have enough moisture in it? What do they actually mean by dry so, skin? Dry skin means your skin is oil lacking. It does not produce enough oil. Okay. But when somebody says your skin is dehydrated, your skin does not have, it doesn't produce, remember, it does not have at that specific moment, enough moisture, enough water in it. Okay. So that can be changed. You'll find that somebody who lives in a coastal area in Durban or wherever has more, um, their skin is more, much more hydrated than somebody living in Joburg. Oh, because of the because of the different weather conditions. The humidity down there. Yes. Um, these is, uh, these homemade facial masks you know sometimes they'll say mix egg whites with some honey and put it on your face for 20 minutes um i mean these are all natural products as far as we know do are you are you Mm -hmm. for or against people going online uh reading up how to make a quick mask for a certain condition and then doing it themselves at home or would you discourage that kind of thing because um Seemingly, we, we, we don't always know what we're doing when it comes to the treatment you know of our what? skin. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in two ways with that. I'm for people experimenting, trying out different things, and even sometimes it works out for you. 
but the thing is it is not skin specific so Mabale might try it and it works perfectly for Mabale mm. Mabale goes and tells Ndombi over dinner Ndombi goes and tries it and then gets a breakout so I think you just need to do your research really well before you can attempt anything like that and then I also imagine that from the time that you are a teenager to becoming an adult and then when you start moving into the aging process, should we be changing the products that we use and adjusting them throughout different stages of our lives? Definitely yes, definitely yes. But what I find is that the teenagers now are so lucky in the fact that they are exposed to these things because of their moms and all of that. Whereas when we were growing up, I never even knew what a facial was. Mm. So they are lucky in the fact that they are being exposed to the stuff very early on. So the adults we're going to have in 10, 15 years' time are going to be much more educated when it comes to their skin, which is something that is really, really amazing. Are they going to look better than the current older people now? <laughs> are, they going, are, they, are they going to have better skin because they are better educated? <laughs> I, I, I hope so. But then also with the education, I think they tend to do other things faster than what we did. So also the experimenting with alcohol and all those other things. So I really cannot say whether they're going to look better or worse um, come adulthood for them. Um, Dombe, you mentioned that you don't um, you don't see a lot of men coming into into the spa, but I mean, is this something that guys should be p- paying attention to uh, the treatment of their skin? Because you know, seemingly they have it easy. They shower, they slap on some lotion, and they're good to go. They mm-hmm. don't they don't worry about anti aging this and anti wrinkle that and yeah. anti shine this and this. Like, but should they really be putting in just as much effort as we are? I think so. Definitely they should be putting in. But it, I think the also problem is that for them, it's not a priority. It becomes a priority once they start seeing the aging and once the wife starts saying, hmm, you look a little bit older than what I look. Then they only start putting in the effort and the time and all of that. So I think with men, it's just uh, only a few will do that and you can't really change them. <laughs> But it's nice to see that more and more men are really taking better care of themselves, especially when it comes to their skin. Dombi Kumalo, thank you very much for your time this afternoon, for, give, for giving us an educate an education. And just say that line one last time for me, please, because Which one? black cracks, okay? It does. You say it does crack. Black <laughs> does crack. <laughs> it does. Okay. It might not crack now, but in the future you'll see the effects. All right. Thank you very much for your insights this afternoon. It was great chatting to you. That's Ndombi Kumalo, who is a skin uh, therapist. That 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 is the correct term, right? Not a beauty therapist. Skincare therapist, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. You too, Ndombi. Thank you so much. Okay. And so we will leave it at that. Uh, Rumor has it that over the weekend, one young man named Jay Something paid Lobola for his lady love. I don't know whether or not this has been confirmed, but it is doing the rumor mill. And so this is going to be a good one to sign off with. My name is Mabale Muloy. Catch me again next week for another edition of Between Two Fems. This is CliffCentral.com.